Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here on this Sunday morning. Um, I'm excited that I have the opportunity this morning to share with you from the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, and we're going to be in chapter 13. Now, no pastor uh, preached through a series in Hebrews just a couple months ago, so hopefully this is not a repeat of anything that he said. But just the Lord drew my attention to several verses that are um, given to us here in the beginning part of chapter number 13. And I just hope and pray that it'll be an encouragement to you this morning um, in your walk with the Lord. Let's begin reading at verse number 5 of Hebrews chapter number 13. The Bible says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And then verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. I want to focus this morning on that phrase in the middle of verse 5, well the end of verse 5, that says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And the topic of my message this morning is overcoming loneliness and realizing that when we have this promise of God, that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Let's look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our Father, we come before you this morning and we just thank you for this day that you've allowed us to be here and we thank you for your word. And I pray now that as I preach this message that you would uh, just give me clarity of thought, that you would help it to be um, something that is from you. And something that is an encouragement to us that helps us to walk more faithfully with you this morning and throughout our lives. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, it was interesting because I was praying about what to preach on this morning. And I was thinking about this verse and this topic of loneliness. And um, I'll get into it a little bit later. But um, I was praying and I said, Lord, just please confirm that this is what you want me to preach um, this Sunday morning. And a few minutes later, I got a text from someone, and the verse that they sent out was this verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And the Lord just used that to really help confirm that this was what he wanted me to share with you this morning. If we think about the theme of the book of Hebrews, um, Hebrews is really tracing throughout the whole entire book this theme of that Christ is better than. And we have all these comparisons that are given to us uh, throughout the book that uh, Christ is better than uh, Moses, and Christ is better than the prophets, and Christ is better than um, all of these different things that we look at in this world. If we compare them to what we have in Christ, we find that Christ is better. And we see that there is the superior, superiority of Christ's privileges, right? And so the, the superiority or the better way of living the way that God intended for us to live. 
And I think many times we can get caught up in living a way that is um, maybe acceptable, but is not the best way that Christ would have us to live, with the liberty and with the freedom and with the victory that he desires for us to have in our lives. As we come to this uh, last chapter in this book that's building upon uh, building block upon block, showing how Christ is better, we kind of come to this final chapter as, as the summation or the mountaintop, the closing argument of this case, so to speak. And we are reminded that God has given to us as believers everything that we need to be successful. And what I mean by successful is successful as God defines success. It's not success as the world defines success, but is is success as God defines success. And that is living in harmony with the way that God would have us to lead our lives. And I think it's natural as we go throughout our Christian life to fall prey to uh, discouragement to fall prey to the lies that the devil would try to plant in our minds, that he would try to have us believe that we are alone in the battle, that we are not not part of a great army of Christians, but that we are there all by ourselves. And Satan oftentimes um, takes advantage of these feelings that we have of maybe discouragement or maybe a sense of loneliness to attack us and to drive us off track from the path that God would have us to follow. I think of the warning that Jesus gave to Peter in Luke chapter 22, where he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren." So Jesus knew the reality of the challenges that Simon Peter faced in his life. He knew that Satan was going to uh, seek to come after him and attack him. But he prayed that Peter's faith would not fail. And I think the same thing can be said for our lives is that we know that challenges are going to come. We know that Satan desires to have us, to get us off track. But we know that God has, uh, or Jesus, is interceding on our behalf that our faith will not fail. So we have these contrasts where the Bible says, this is how you should live your life. But the flesh says, this is how you should live your life. And the devil says, this is how you should live your life. And we have a choice to make which way we're going to to live our lives. And the only way for us as Christians to live out the Christian life as God intended is to live by faith. The only way for us to live out the Christian life as God has intended is for us to live as faith, live by faith. Let's look at a couple of definitions that I think are important as we look at this topic of perhaps uh, loneliness or discouragement. The dictionary defines loneliness as sadness because one has no friends or company. Perhaps solitude or retirement or seclusion from company. So it's this idea that we are not there with other people or we don't have support in our lives. Um, The dictionary definition of depression is a sinking of the spirits, a dejection, 
a state of sadness or a, a want or a lack of courage or animation, as in depression of the mind. We have the definition of the word despair, which is hopelessness or a hopeless state or a destitute of hope or expectation, a loss of hope. And these are real feelings that many people struggle with. I uh, came across um, what kind of got me thinking about this several weeks ago was I saw this um, infographic of a bunch of statistics that was talking about Americans and how many of them, even though in a very connected society in terms of our technology and our available uh, communication, many Americans or many individuals um, often feel like they don't have a good connection or that they feel very lonely at times. And the statistics bear this out, where it says 61% of Americans in 2019 felt lonely at times. 21% um, said that they have no really close friends. Um, And then 10% of Americans reported not having friends or relatives that they could count on. And that was just general Americans. And then if we look down to the younger generation, so the youngest generation, which is sometimes termed Gen Z or, or young people who are bur- born between 1990 and 2010-ish, um, 65% of those, people, those young people said that they sometimes or always feel lonely, and 69% of those said that they feel shy at many times. Um, this was kind of borne out. I did an informal survey of just um, some friends that I I know, and those statistics actually kind of came, came out about the same. And um, I think it describes for us a problem that many of us face, or many people in our world face, and it's a reminder that we live in, in a broken world that is um, full of sin and full of discouragement, and many people are without hope or they lack the hope. I think that's a great reminder for us that it is so important for us to give out the gospel and to give the truth of God's word so that people can have hope, that people can know that through Christ there is assurance of an eternal life, of a hope in heaven, of a a forgiveness of sins. And that is our joy and our responsibility to bring that message to the lost and sinful world. But if we look at Christians, sometimes I think Christians, myself included, can fall into this trap of being discouraged or feeling alone at times, whether old or young or no matter your situation in life, we all face experiences or situations that might lead us to feel alone at times. And we need to remember that the power of Jesus Christ stands in the wings waiting to deliver us. Um, There's actually two individuals that came to mind this week as I was thinking about it that are strong believers, and both of them, many years after the fact, um, were talking about it and said that during a low period in their life, they actually considered suicide. And I was shocked because these were individuals who were strong Christians, But based on the circumstances they were facing in their lives, they became overwhelmingly discouraged and they took their eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ, put their eyes on themselves, and began to think 
and believe the lies of the devil that said, well, the only solution to my problem is to take my own life. Whereas God wants us to realize that even in a very difficult situation that we might face, the only solution should be to put our eyes back on the Lord Jesus Christ because in Him we find the answer to all of life's problems. So let's look back at Hebrews uh, chapter number 13 and there's three um, observations that I want to draw your attention to this morning. The first of those is that we need to be satisfied by the provision of God. Let's look at um, verse number 5, where it says, Let your conversation or your life, your lifestyle, be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For I have said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And here in this verse, we find one of God's greatest promises to his children. That is the promise of his presence, the promise that he will be with us. And do you see how focusing on this promise, focusing on the satisfaction that comes from Jesus Christ, solves the problem of discouragement or depression, or loneliness, of realizing that God is with us, that he will never, under any circumstance, leave or forsake us. And it reminds us that fulfillment cannot be found in anything but Jesus Christ. Satisfied. The word satisfied means to be fulfilled, to have one's needs met, to be enriched. I like to think of it that If I'm out in the yard or doing some work on a very, very hot day, and I've been for a while without any water, and and I feel very, very thirsty, and I go inside and grab a bottle of water that's nice and cold, and I take a drink of that water, it satisfies. It quenches that thirst in a way that nothing else can. And this is what the Lord does for us as we live our life. That as we look to the Lord, He will satisfy, He will meet the needs that we have in our lives. When we live in the bondage of discouragement, it's because we are seeking our satisfaction in something other than in God. Um, And and I can guarantee it that if someone is discouraged, if they are they're focusing on themselves, saying, Woe is me, you know, I have such a difficult life, it's because they are not looking to the Lord uh, for the source of their encouragement. And just as one miracle of God leaves us thirsting for another miracle of God, one doubtful thought begins another doubtful thought, and another doubtful thought, and another doubtful thought. And it's easy to fall into that downward spiral of heading towards discouragement. Friend, the world looks at the Christian who is um, dissatisfied with the provision of God and wants nothing to do with our God because of the testimony that we portray. If we live a discouraged life, others, unbelievers who look at our lives, will not be encouraged to seek after God, but they will be discouraged to seek after God. We need to live our lives encouraged because of what God has given to us. We need to live our lives satisfied by the provision that God has given to us so that we can be a testimony to the lost and dying world 
around us. I want to share with you uh, three examples from um, the Bible that talk about this idea of being satisfied with the provision of God. Let's go to the Old Testament and turn to Psalm 81. Psalm 81. So in this psalm, we have a, a short summary of some of the experiences of the children of Israel as they were um, coming out of the land of Egypt and then as they were going through the wilderness and following the path and the plan that God had for their life. I want to start at verse 10 of Psalm 81. Here's what the Bible says. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Um, Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. So if we think about this, here is the great work of God, that God has performed a miracle, that after all of these years of living in bondage, um, God miraculously worked for the children of Israel to be brought out of the land of Egypt. Continuing at verse 11. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. They wouldn't pay attention. They wouldn't obey. They wouldn't pay attention to the things that God wanted them to do. So what, is, so what happens? Well, verse 12 says, So I gave them up unto their own hearts lust, and they walked in their own counsels. And then verse 13 says, Oh, that my people would hearken unto me, and that Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. Verse 16, he should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with the honey out of the rock. And here's the key phrase that I want you to pay attention to. Should I, should I have satisfied thee? So the children of Israel, while they were in Egypt, were looking to the Lord for that place of deliverance. They were looking to the Lord as the only way to get out of Egypt. Once they got out of Egypt, they began to disregard the things that God wanted them to do and the path that God wanted them to take. And what verses 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16 remind us is that they missed out on the blessing that they could have had because they failed to trust God, because they failed to be satisfied by the provision of God. God wanted to meet their need, but they chose to go their own way and to ignore God's plan for their life rather than to follow after God and to be satisfied by his provision. They chose to live in rebellion against God rather to, than to live in obedience for God. And the sad fact is that God had more miracles waiting for them, but they did not believe, so God did not perform those miracles for them. And I don't want to be a Christian who lives my life half-heartedly discouraged, disbelieving God's promises, where I come to the end of my life and say, God wanted to perform more miracles in my life, but he didn't because I didn't believe him. And I think we as Christians need to make sure that we are looking to God to be satisfied by the things that God would have to give us in our lives. Let's uh, flip back earlier in the Old Testament and look at 2 Kings 
uh, chapter number 5. 2 Kings chapter number 5. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, Brother Boyle was preaching from this passage um, with Naaman and was preaching on the faith of this young girl who pointed uh, Naaman, who had leprosy, to the God who could uh, heal him. Um, let's, let's look at a couple verses. So starting with the first five verses, uh, we see now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. So we see, the, we see the backdrop of what's happening here. If we jump down to verse 3, we see the faith of this little maid or this little girl who waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So in the beginning part of this chapter, we see this young girl who is encouraging the faith of this king um, who has leprosy. If we jump to the end of the chapter and go to verse 21, we see an example of the servant of um, Elisha, the servant of Elisha, Gehazi. So starting at verse 21, let's read what happens with Gehazi. So Gehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, He lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Be content, Take two talents. So here we have this idea of contentment, right? Be content. Naaman wasn't, uh, wasn't just giving, he was giving something that would amply supply the need. And he ur- urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house. And he let the men go, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. So he lies, and he tells Elisha, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. But verse 26 says, And he said unto him, Went not my heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? It is a time to receive money, and a time to receive garments, and olive yards, and vineyards, and sheep, and oxen, and men servants, and maid servants, men servants, and maid servants. The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee, and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. So what we see here in this chapter is we see that there is a a distinction between Naaman, who looked to God for his healing and looked to God for his satisfaction in life. And then we see Gehazi, this servant of Elijah, who was willing to lie so that he could benefit financially from, the, from Naaman and from the riches that Naaman had. 
and God ended up cursing him because he wasn't willing to trust God to meet his needs. And so we want to be content. We want to be completely satisfied with what God has given us and not be chasing after the things of this world. Uh, Gehazi, because of his failure to trust God, um, his, in, because of his lack of faith, it turned him into a leper. So we see this example from the Old Testament. And then let's go to the New Testament and go to John chapter number 11. John chapter number 11, and we're going to start at verse 21. So John chapter 11 is giving us the backstory behind what happened with Lazarus, who was sick, and Mary and Martha send to Jesus and want him to come heal their brother Lazarus, to to provide healing. And Jesus determines that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And so Jesus does not come until after Lazarus has died. And so we pick up in verse 21, where the Bible says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And let me just pause there for a second, just to, just to say, when we find that God has worked in a way that we weren't expecting, we need to be satisfied with his timing and not our own not our own. And Martha had trouble understanding what was going on. She had trouble um, accepting that God's plan for their life and for Lazarus' life was different than what she, uh, than what she expected. Verse 22, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha kind of doesn't understand, and she's, she's kind of looking at Jesus and saying, you know, Lord, you don't understand what's going on. Lazarus is dead. And she says in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the later day, believing that, you know, Lazarus is just going to be dead and gone for the rest of her physical lifetime. But then verse 25, Jesus says unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? He was giving Martha the reminder that she needed to be satisfied with what Jesus could give her in that moment, not what her own plans were for, um, for her for life. So these couple examples that we see in the Bible provide us a great warning, and they force us to consider, really, what are we basing our decisions on? How are we living our life? And do we trust God enough to be content with the things that he has given us? Or are we allowing ourselves to be dissatisfied with the provision that God has given us? One of the greatest provisions that God has given us is that of the Holy Spirit. And, and throughout Scripture, we see all the different things that the Holy Spirit does for us, the work that he provides in relationship to the believer, how he uh, regenerates us, how he indwells us, how he seals us, how he infills us or gives us uh, special empowerment to do what God would have us to do, um, how he in- equips us. For life and service. 
And it's a reminder that God can and God will meet our need abundantly. So we need to be satisfied by the provision of God. Secondly, moving along quickly here, um, we need to be strengthened by the help of God. If we look back at Hebrews chapter number 13 for a minute, we'll see an example of this. So Hebrews chapter number 13, um, let's look at verse number 6. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 6. The Bible says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. If we are one who is struggling with uh, discouragement or loneliness or depression of some sort, the primary source of help that we need to look to is found in the Word of God. There are many ways that we can be encouraged, but the Word of God is that primary uh, tool that God has designed for us to find encouragement. Along with that, God has given us the church He has given us the support, the encouragement, and the blessing and the fellowship of having other believers who can and will come alongside us to help us in our walk with the Lord. He has given us the blessing of uh, spiritual leaders, that leaders who are there to, to warn and to protect and to encourage and to rebuke and to direct and to to, uh, to help us to pattern our life more closely after the Word of God. Another avenue of help that God gives us is that avenue of prayer, that we have direct access to God and to His power through, through prayer. And these are some of the blessings, and these are some of the things that God gives us in our life um, that will help us. Let me uh, share with you a couple of examples here that when we do things God's way, God will help us and God will provide for us uh, what we need. Let's look to the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter number 15. We're going to look at verse uh, number 26. And just uh, as I quickly give you the backdrop of this chapter, um, what happened here was that David's... um, goal was to move the ark of God. And what happened at the beginning of the chapter was that they sought to move it in their own way. They sought to do it in a way that was patterned after the world. So they saw the Philistines uh, put the ark of God on a cart, and they saw it pulled by oxen, and they said, oh, that's a great idea. We won't have to carry it. We won't have to do it God's way. It won't be as hard. So we'll put it on a cart. Well, they put it on a cart, and what happens? As the cart is going along, the cart becomes unsteady. And the cart begins to fall apart. The wheel falls off, and what happens is that a man reaches out to steady the ark of God. He does what in his mind is a good thing. He is trying to protect the ark. But God sees it as a a violation of the commandment that he has given and how that ark was supposed to be handled and how it was supposed to be transported. And so this man dies. After that, they realize that it is better to do things God's way. It is better to do things the way that God would have us to do them. And so they go back 
And this time, they transport the ark and they do it the right way. They follow God's plan. And let's look at verse 25 of 1 Chronicles uh, chapter number 15. It says, So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. So this time they're rejoicing because they are doing it God's way. Verse 26, And it came to pass... When God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. And then it goes on to tell the rejoicing. It stuck out to me as I looked at that, that it said, And it came to pass when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord. As we are obedient to God's way and to God's plan, God will help us and God will make us more successful in our lives because we are committed to doing things God's way. We are helped as we do things God's way. It is not just a one of the many choices, but it is a condition for God to work with power in our lives. We must, we must do things God's way. When God's people attempt to do God's work without following his principles, it will end in disaster. And we saw an example of that in this particular passage of Scripture. So, God will provide us the help that we need. Let's look to the New Testament, uh, Luke chapter number 15, for another example of the help that God will provide. So, Luke uh, chapter number 15 Um, starting at verse number 11. And here we see an example of what is commonly referred to as the prodigal son. And this prodigal son had much resources in his life, but he chose to turn away from that. He chose to go his own way. And as a result of that, he ended up in a place that was not desirable. It says here um, at verse number, let's pick up at verse uh, 14. And when he had spent all there, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. So he began to need things. He wasn't wasn't satisfied. He didn't have his needs met. He realized he did not have everything that he needed or wanted. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. So he chose another plan, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And finally, as he's in this, as he's in this swine's pit, as he's uh, filling himself with the food that he would have given to the pigs, he comes to himself, or he thinks in his mind, and he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? So he realizes that even the servants of his father are at least having their needs met. They're at least having three meals a day. They're at least having the food and the provision that they need to live. And he says, I will arise and go to my father. And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and in no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So verse 20 says, And he arose and came to his father. 
But when he saw that there was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And then the father says to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be married. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be married. So we see here that there comes a point in time where this young man realized that the place of help or the place that he would find help, the way that he would find relief from the situation that he was in was to go back to his father, to return to the place where God wanted him to be in the first place. And if we think about our Christian life, we can think about it the same way, that when we get off track, when we fall into temptation or sin or discouragement, and we find ourselves in a place where we are not where God wants us to be, that we are, in, in a sense, um, eating the food that we would be giving to pigs, spiritually speaking, if we're in that place, we know that we can find help when we return to the Lord. We can find help when we, when we go back to the source of where we will, um, the source that will provide and the source that will give us that strength that we need to live the Christian life. So we see that we will be strengthened in our lives by, um, by the help that God gives us. What are, what are the ways that God provides us the help that we need? He provides us the strength that we need, and sometimes we might think of this as a sudden blast of energy. But the strength that, that the Lord gives us in our lives is, is more of an enduring strength. It's a strength that lasts. It's something that will keep us going for a, a, a long time. And the help that God gives us also is that God provides us authority. He can make, us, uh, he can make the decisions. He can um, control the storms. He can uh, control the scenarios around us um, for our good and for his glory. The help of God is more than enough to meet the challenges of each day. Every day that we live, we can know that we can look to the Lord for help and that the amount of help that the Lord gives us will be enough to meet the need that we have. Psalm 86 verse 5 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy, and I want you to notice this, unto all them that call upon him. Do you notice the condition for mercy? The condition for mercy is to call upon the name of the Lord. It is to ask the Lord for help. It is to ask the Lord to supply the needs that we have. Um, There's a quote by uh, John Rice that said, Prayer is asking, and the answer to prayer is receiving. Asking and receiving. It's that call for help in the assurance knowing that God will answer that by giving us the help that we need. 
So we see that we need to be satisfied by the provision of God. We need to be strengthened by the help of God. And then lastly in this passage, we see that we need to be serving for the glory of God. Let's look back at Hebrews chapter number 13 uh, quickly as we wrap up this morning. Hebrews chapter number 13 and go down to verse number 7 where it says, Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible here tells us to, to pause for a minute, to stop, to think about it, and to consider the end of their conversation. What does that mean? Well, the end of their conversation is their, the life of others, the life of um, leaders, the, the life of those that have rule over you, it says here, um, that have spoken unto us the word of God. We need to look at the destination that they're going to and pattern our lives after that destination. Sometimes uh, we just need to get the focus off of ourselves and how terrible we perceive our life to be, and to recenter it on the purpose for which God has put us here. We, we need to find a place to serve and a way to minister for the glory of God. And God can use that in a mighty way to help us overcome discouragement. God can use that in a mighty way to help us overcome uh, feelings of loneliness if we see that we are being used of God for a purpose. If that we see that we are being used of God to glorify Him, Himself. Uh, don't allow yourself to be so focused on the trial that you miss what God is trying to do through the trial. And that's something that I've thought about many times, that we can become so focused on the storm that's swirling around us that we miss out on what God is trying to accomplish in our lives. Sure, we're going to face temptations. Sure, we're going to find, face difficulties. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 to 13, that wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. God has made a way for us to, to not only go through the trial, to go through the temptation, but to um, have him accomplish in our lives that which he wants to accomplish. Paul was a man who was focused on the finish line. And that is a lesson for us, that we need to have that same vision that we are considering the end of our conversation. Not just where we are, but where we're going, where we are going. Um, I have a quote written down in my Bible from Pastor Boyle, um, from one of the messages that he preached. It says, stop looking in the mirror and look out the window for opportunities to serve others. So don't look at yourself all the time, but look for how God can use you to bring Him glory. Our service today will bring God glory. Our service today can be an example to others. Our service today will take our eyes to heaven. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So as we wrap up, um, I was thinking about this. Here in New England, we like to say oftentimes, we're all set. If someone comes up to you and wants to hand you, nope, I'm all set. I have everything I need. Being satisfied means that when desire and distractions come knocking at our door, we can respond with faith and we can say, we're all set. We have everything that we need in the Lord Jesus Christ. Success in life comes from accomplishing the things that God wants us to accomplish. As we close, um, the, the, the way to overcome discouragement and loneliness is, first of all, to be saved, to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if today someone listening online or someone here does not have that personal relationship with Christ, that is the first stepping stone. The second thing is for us to all then be surrendered to the plan that God has for our lives. Let's close in a word of prayer this morning.